0: If you would take your scriptures, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be reading from chapter 13. Matthew 13, we'll be reading verses 24 through 30 and then 36 through 43. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, gather, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. And drop it down to verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the veal. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels, And they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. And will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, (laughs) let him hear. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father. You have given us your word with all your commands. You have told us to place them on our hearts, to impress them on our children, to use them to identify us in every area of our lives. We come before you with great respect of you as our God. We hear your word and learn about you and follow you and you alone. We are to do what is right and to honor you in our lives. Father, it is the desire of our hearts to do all of this, but our flesh is strong. Open our hearts to grow in self-control and in love of you. Show us in your word how to do this every day. We pray this in our Lord's name. Amen. We come this morning to the celebration of our Lord's life, death, and resurrection. This table represents for us the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In looking at this table, I want to consider the second of Matthew's parables from chapter 13. This is the parable of the wheat and tares. This clearly shows the reason the Lord's Supper was needed. I believe this is the second greatest parable Jesus told. The first would be the parable of the sower. Both of these parables are extremely important for establishing the theology of salvation. If we did not have one or the other of these parables, our understanding of the process of salvation would be lacking some very important ingredients. This parable begins in Matthew 13:24. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. This parable is like the parable of the sower, which deals with the sower, a field, seeds, and crop yield. The point being made in this parable is on the sower and his commands to sow the field and then how to handle the harvest. To properly understand this parable, you must have a clear understanding of this first verse. How can the kingdom of heaven be like a man? This is what we would call an abbreviated expression. It is not meant to be taken literally. It is figurative. It means that the kingdom of heaven is like the circumstances of a man. What happened to this man is what happens in the building of the kingdom of heaven. We shall examine this man and the circumstances surrounding his planting and harvesting of this field. And through this, learn about our God and the world in which we live. This man was a wealthy farmer. Now we know he was rather well off because he had employed a number of hired hands to do the work. He sends those hands out to sow one of his fields. Verse 25. But while men slept his enemy, came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. The enemy shows himself here to be a very cruel and sadistic coward. He comes under the cover of darkness, tries to destroy the work of this good man. How does he hope to accomplish this destruction? By sowing weeds among the wheat. This weed is called the bearded darnel. It is host to a fungus that is poisonous to man and animal. The idea was to make the field and its fruit completely unstable. This particular weed, early in its development, cannot be distinguished from the wheat. Verse 26. But when the grain sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. Until the wheat began to develop, the servants had no idea such a terrible crime had been committed. Until fruit came into view, it was impossible to know which plants were weeds and which wheat. This shows that that there was a good bit of time elapsed between the crime and the obvious understanding of that crime by the servants. I hope you can see in this again the importance of fruit for identifying true believers. That's one of the messages here. Just as you cannot tell the difference between the weeds and the grain until fruit begins to develop, neither can you tell the difference between the elect and the non-elect until fruit begins to develop. Verse 27. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? The servants were concerned. They were concerned about what they had found. The ratio of grain to weeds must have been quite large for them to be so concerned. It would not have been unusual to have some weeds, but this field is full of them. They went back to their master and asked him about the quality of the seeds they used. Yes, it was good seed. The master tells them in verse 28 what has happened. He said to them, an enemy has done this. This man knew the seeds he had sown. He also knew for so many weeds to be present, it had to be the work of an evil enemy. What is to be done? The servants in verse 28 have a suggestion. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? This is not the way their master thinks is best to handle the situation. Verses 29 and 30. But he said, No, at least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Pull, to pull the weeds up, While the wheat is growing next to it, might quite injure the wheat and affect the the amount of grain harvested. So the man decides to let them grow together until the harvest. At harvest, the difference will stand out. The heads will be different. So it will clearly be an easy way to separate them from one another. As we look at Jesus' explanation of this parable, we shall observe first the disciples question. Second, we shall study the one who sows. Third, we will examine the field and the weeds. Fourth, we will look at the changes that occur. Last, we will consider what happens. It's important, very important to keep in mind as we look at this parable its overall meaning. Jesus uses this parable to show his disciples there's going to be a lengthy period of time before this final harvest comes and the kingdom is manifest to all in its glory. He calls for patience, perseverance, and diligence on the part of his people in their work toward the kingdom. After giving this parable, Jesus leaves the crowds and goes back into the house. In the house, the disciples come to him and ask him to explain it to them. Remember, it takes the Holy Spirit in the heart to open the mysteries of God's word. The disciples do not yet have the Holy Spirit in their hearts as they will after Pentecost. Verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. Christ came, came into this world to reveal the mysteries of God. But at this time, those mysteries were not yet quite ready to be fully understood. Once the Holy Spirit comes and takes the things of Christ and begins to open men's hearts, they will be understood. The Holy Spirit is not yet with them in their hearts, so the disciples have to ask Christ for an explanation. Here we see the care and concern Jesus had for his disciples. He who is the good shepherd takes these men to the side. He pulls them away from everybody else. He unlocks for them the wonders, the wonders of these great mysteries hidden from before the foundation of the world. And if you read through, you see just about every parable, they have to go ask him what it meant. So this is what he's doing. He's explaining it to them. God in the Old Testament began to reveal himself to the people, but with great reserve. Now why? Why would he do that? because they were not yet ready to hear and know his plan. This is very much in line with what this parable teaches. God created the world, which we shall learn is the field in the parable. He placed his people in the world, but Satan came along and overseeds the world with his people. It's difficult to know the difference in a world without a solid standard. It's impossible without fruit to see the difference. Jesus, at the fullness of time, comes into the world. The fullness of time is the forming of the fruit on the plant. With the standard of God's word in its completed form, which is the New Testament, the watch for the harvest is on. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke to me in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. When did the watch for the harvest begin? It didn't begin until the last days. In those last days, the watch began, and that last days begins with the coming of Jesus Christ. He's preparing the world for the harvest through his disciples. Jesus begins his explanation in verse 37. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. This is not a new revelation to those who have looked at the parable of the sower. Jesus comes into this world with a purpose. John 1.18 No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Jesus came to reveal the Father, to reveal them to his people, to make him known in this world. He came to be the Word of God. What is this Word of God? In John 1.1 we are told, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In John 1.14 we learn, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came into this world to reveal to men their creator. In Hebrews 1.3, we're told, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So what is it? What is it that was shown in the hearts of men in the parable of the sower? It was the only begotten Son of God. That's what he planted. The understanding of who Christ was. It was the revelation that he brought into the world of the love God had for his creation. Not only does he sow his word in their hearts, he sows himself in their hearts. I want you to think about that. You want Jesus Christ in your life? Very simple. Pick up the word and read. Because the word is telling us about Christ and what he has come to do for us. As you pick up the Bible and read it, you're taking Jesus Christ into your heart. You cannot separate Jesus in the flesh from Jesus in the word. They are one and the same. In the Old Testament, we hear about this son of man. Daniel 7 verses 13 and 14. This is the same Son of Man Jesus shows us in this parable. Here, he is a humble sower. He goes out casting his word into the hearts of men, waiting for the harvest of souls that will follow, making his kingdom, that great kingdom Daniel sees in his visions. Jesus goes forth in this world sowing his word into the hearts of men, preparing them to hear and believe, preparing them to be a part of his kingdom. I beg you this morning, open your ears and listen. Open your hearts and believe. For there is absolutely no other way to come into this eternal kingdom than you come by the word of God, the living word of God. You must listen and believe. Jesus sows the word through the foolishness of preaching. Preaching is the sowing of Jesus Christ into the hearts of men. It is placing before you the truth of the gospel and calling you to accept it and let it begin producing change in your heart, producing fruit in your life. One of the questions that many will ask is, how is this change to be done? How is this fruit to be found? Verse 38. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The only way these changes can occur is for the word to be proclaimed throughout this world. Jesus says in Matthew 24:14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Before the harvest begins, there must be fruit. And by the preached word, that fruit will be made manifest. The preaching of the gospel will show forth those who have fruit and those who do not. 2 Corinthians two fourteen through 16 Now thanks be to God who always leads in triumph of, in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God. The fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one where the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? The gospel must be preached and it must be preached in all the world. It is to call all men to come. The field is this parable represents the world. The seed is to be sown in every nation. And it will, be, it will find prepared hearts ready and eager to receive it and to produce fruit. You understand, this will not be an instantaneous thing. It is to be progressive. It will be over time. The Great Commission calls you to go. To go and continually work at making disciples. To work at preaching the word. So that over many generations, men in every nation, tribe, and language, as well as men in every age, will hear and believe. This could not be clearer. Your duty as a believer is to be continually carrying this gospel to all the world. The gospel is universal in its call. All men should be called through the preaching of the word. We also see in this those who hear and believe, those who openly and willingly receive the message of the gospel are the good seed. These are the ones, the ones who had a sovereignly prepared heart and see themselves for what they truly are sinners. But as they hear the gospel, as Jesus enters their heart, they acknowledge their sins and ask his forgiveness. Because they see him as the holy God who has created them. They believe the word he plants in them and begins to act upon what it teaches them. They call out in humility. They turn away from their sin and selfishness and begin to obey his commands. The other seed are those who do not have a prepared heart. They are the ones with a hard and unresponsive heart, a rocky and and impulsive heart, or a, a, a heart full of weeds, one that is preoccupied with the cares and concerns of this world and never quite bear fruit. Many of these people may not even listen to the word when it comes their way. Some of them may hear it and like what they hear, but not be willing to endure the hardships for its sake. Others may love the message it brings and the fellowship it opens for them, but not be willing to give up the desires of the flesh to become fully a part of this kingdom. These are the children of the devil. 1 John 3.10 declares, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. It requires fruit to be seen as a child of God. If there is no fruit, then the Father is not God, but Satan. The only harvest these children of the devil produce is a harvest of poison like the bearded Darnell. These are the seeds sown by the enemy. It is an enemy who cares nothing about them. He is not interested in what is best for them, but only what is best for him. He is a cruel, sadistic, cowardly enemy. He offers man no hope. He only deceives him into thinking he can do for himself. He leads him into believing he can be like God. In the next section, we will learn the identity of this enemy. I don't think the identity of this enemy is any great mystery. Even those not so well versed in the scriptures as most of you would know who he is. Matthew 13 verses 39 through 42 the enemy who sowed them is the devil the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels the reason i say the identity of this enemy is no great mystery is because scripture continually talks about it it does not it does so from genesis to revelation read any book in the bible you're going to get a reference to it this enemy is Satan I don't want to spend much time on him, and you will note Jesus didn't either. It is enough to say who he is. Who is he? Who he is is not as important as when the harvest begins. Jesus says it will start at the end of the age. At the end of this present age, that's the last days, there will be no impatience allowed. The age must come fully to its end before the harvest begins. That means we don't need to be overly concerned with when it will be, but that it is coming. We need to be busy doing what God called us to do. A day of judgment is coming when the harvester shall go forth and pull up the weeds and cast them into the fires of hell. A day when the good seed, the elect, shall be gathered out of the world and taken into heaven with father and son. Who handles the harvest? The angels of God. They will know the difference between the weeds and the wheat. Revelation fourteen seventeen through 20. Then another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire, And he cried out with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. The unregenerate suffering will be everlasting. It will be a spiritual and eternal death from which there is no hope of deliverance. They will forever be tormented with fire and brimstone. And according to Revelation 14, 9-11, through 11, the smoke of their torment will rise before the throne of God forever. What we see in this is the promise of a great marvelous cleansing of the kingdom of heaven. It will not happen until the last day just before heaven's gate is opened and all who have believed are ushered in for eternity. But please do not be fooled. This cleansing will happen even though it looks today as though it is delayed. It is not delayed forever. Look at how Jesus describes this judgment. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The agony of those who... See, the glory of God too late will be awful. They will weep. They will plead for another chance, but none will be given them. They will, in utter despair, gnash their teeth at their own foolishness. They will spend all of eternity in a state of complete and utter despair at the foolishness with which they wasted the only chance they had of knowing their creator. Can you even begin to imagine a more horrible thing? I pray that each and every one of you has taken time to stop and consider your own life. Can you see fruit in your life? Do you know that you are trusting in Jesus Christ and in him alone for your salvation? Jesus had made it abundantly clear. He is the only way in which anyone can come to the Father. He is the only way in which anyone will come into the true kingdom of heaven. Search your hearts. Be sure that it is trust in Christ and Him alone upon which you stand. What shall be the result of those who have heard and believed on Jesus as the one sent from the Father? Verse 43 Then the righteous will shine forth as the Son in the kingdom of the Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Those who are called, those who are chosen, those given new hearts, those with hearts prepared and ready to receive the word of truth, those will be the ones, the only ones, that will be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. They will be carried into the presence of God the Father and God the Son, taken where the righteous given the them through Jesus Christ will shine in all of his glory. What a wonderful promise. Can you ever imagine a more glorious ending to a life of hardship in this world? I don't believe it would be possible even to imagine something more wonderful than this. To be taken from this world filled with its evil and hardships and given a place in the kingdom of heaven where sin can never again touch you or cause you to stumble and fall. In conclusion, I beg you, please, Observe carefully the ending of this explanation. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. This is a call. This is a call to all men to open their hearts and listen, to open their hearts and believe. It is only the person that, prays, that pays attention to this wonderful gospel message and acknowledge his own sinful heart as in, his inability to clear away the sin on his own that will hear. You can't do it on your own. There's no way that you can remove sin yourself. The person that realizes that he is a sinner, lost and without hope, apart from Jesus Christ, the person that knows he needs to be holy because of this one who came and did for him everything that he could not do for himself. It's absolutely imperative that you search your heart this morning, especially before you come to this table. You must understand and know that you are totally, absolutely, totally dependent on the sovereign almighty God. This parable makes clear that God is at work in the hearts and lives of his people. Even though this world is filled with evil, God has not abandoned one single believer to his own in this world. And that is the message of this supper you are totally dependent on Jesus Christ. Take the elements of this table as you remember the sacrifice of your Lord and leave this supper with a refreshed hope of the eternity prepared for you by Jesus Christ, perfect life, atoning death, and resurrection victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning We come to your table, set for us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We come because you have called us to come and to examine ourselves. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So let each one here this morning examine themselves, and so let them come and rightly partake of this bread and juice and be filled with his grace. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. If you would take your hymnals and turn with me to hymn 469. How sweet and awesome is this place.